You're listening to another great podcast in the MyMac Podcasting Network. Hi, folks, and welcome to episode 93 of the Let's Talk Apple podcast. This is the show for May 2021, and I'm your host, Bart Bouchotts. Joining me today, I basically have the Essential Apple podcast. Or rather, I have Simon and Mark from the Essential Apple podcast. Guys, welcome aboard. Aloha. Hello, and uh, thanks for having us back again, Bart. My absolute pleasure. And Mark, it has been a while since we've heard your dulcet tones, but uh, welcome back aboard. Thank you ever so much. It's, I actually managed to get set up, and Carl Madden, if you're listening to this, within five minutes with perfect sounding audio. Uh, I was actually quite impressed with just, because I've got the <laughs> iRig Mic Pre put straight into the um, the new M1 iMac, sorry, M1 MacBook Air, and I'm away, and I'm talking uh, for the first time without having to go, Carl, can you give me a hand? <laughs> <laughs> That's obviously in reference there, if no one who knows who he is from the back and forth show. Can I just say I'd like an M1 Mac, please? But anyway, I hope it's I hope it's treating you well. Oh, it's oh, I'm I'm actually doing a video about the journey because what I've learned trying to buy an Apple product now, especially the M1 Max, it, there's it's it's a lifestyle product now because there's no compromise or apart from ports. But you literally just buy the thing that's going to suit what you do. For example, I live away all week, so I was thinking, oh, do I really get that really nice M1 iMac with the 4K screen? And then I realised I'd only be using it two days a week. So then I thought about getting the iPad, and the iPad is a love-hate machine. I love the size and everything about it, apart from all the stuff it can't do. Then I thought MacBook Pro, and yeah, good job I didn't buy that, according to the rumours. So it's mm. quite a weird slide of thinking about getting such a big computer and ending up with a MacBook Air. Well, that's what I bought. That's what I bought, the M1 MacBook Air, and I have to say it is a bloody amazingly fabulous machine right i'm holding and, um, it for the 27 you know for the replacement of the 27 inch iMac which i'm hoping is 30 inches that, that... yes I, I think i think a lot of people are and uh, possibly will have a you know m1x or whatever i went for the macbook air when it came out because i had the money and it you know it was one of those i might not have the money again in a year's time so let's just buy it now and go with it and i have to say it's bloody amazing bloody amazing good, good. Uh, well let us get stuck into it. some apple news for may 20 oh i've just seen that my show notes say may 2020 goodness me to some extent it feels like we are still in <laughs> again again yeah no let's not do that one again <laughs> of, of all the years to do again let's not do that one again um so let's not some, do that again. Yeah. Yes, some follow-ups uh, from stuff we talked about last month. Um, Apple's podcast subscription service that they announced with great fanfare last month. Um, well, it started off okay. So we had news at Wondery Plus. We're going to be doing the whole podcast subscription thing, which is kind of a big deal. And then we had news of an affiliate program Apple were launching, and it all sounded great. Uh, but in the background, an awful lot of podcasters were quite cranky with the fact that Apple's podcast app had really fallen over in a bit of a heap and wasn't like updating podcasts and, you know, basic things like that. 
So it probably didn't come as much of a surprise that uh, Apple hit the pause button and have officially delayed their new service until June. So uh, we'll get to talk about it again next month. I, I don't know if, how many yeah, of you guys I mean, were affected by this, but it has not been a particularly good month for podcast creators on Apple's platform. Uh, it's it's another it's another thing for Tim to make money. I mean, four ninety nine a month isn't bad, but then if you consider that's probably on top of an already growing subscription, I think if I was to go for this, I'd be all in for Apple for about twenty five quid a month. And that's starting to get a bit substantial. Have they done this in response to something? Have they done it sort of to try and keep people on their platform and stop them or go go to Spotify and other places like that? Well, no, as in have they delayed it or because they've delayed it because it's broken? But the actual whole... Yeah, it's broken. The whole subscription thing. No, I know what I'm saying. saying Just just to clarify, the point of the follow-ups isn't to redo last week's show or last month's show. It's to just catch us up on what's I'm changed, not. right? Oh, we have, okay. <laughs> we have four whole topics for this month to get through, and uh, so um, I'm just yeah. So that's what's changed, which is basically hold yeah. your horses. Um, I actually went to the bother of setting everything up to be ready for all of this. Not that I'm doing a paid show, but just because I'm going to do a channel. But then they went and hit pause. Anyway, that's not here and there. The other thing we talked about last month was the big changes to Apple's Apple Card family. And we we weren't clear at the time how it really worked. And we sort of guessed how it probably worked. And the TLDR is we guessed right. And now we're not guessing anymore because Apple released a document outlining exactly what uh, the details are. So we were correct and how it worked. So few we weren't telling book pies. Uh, and then the <laughs> other big long running story. So... Every few months we dive into this in a bit more detail when something dramatic happens, but every single month it rumbles on in the background. And so this is a rumble on in the background month. But just to remind everyone that there are lots and lots of regulators all over planet Earth continuing to trundle forward in complaints against Apple. So starting in the European Union, the Bureau Européen des Unions des Consumers, or BUR, I don't think that's a good acronym, um, have backed the EU's antitrust case against Apple over Spotify, basically, uh, the Spotify case. Uh, EU Apple probe moves forward as antitrust issues pile up. Basically, uh, Apple Pay is... um, Sorry, EU Apple Pay probe moves forward is what I should have read. Uh, the EU are not happy that you have to. You can only use Apple Pay on the Apple devices, and no one else gets to use the NFC thing. So that will be interesting how that uh, pans out. Crossing the Atlantic, then the Federal Trade Commission have joined the pylon. Um, they are accusing Apple's repair program of being anti-competitive. Uh, they're basically joining the right to repair side of the debate. It will be very interesting to see how that pans out. Uh, and then the Senate uh, basically sent Apple a letter, sorry, Apple replied to a letter from the Senate last week, uh, last month, basically saying, uh, no, he's a wrong. Um, so that, as I say, continues to rumble on. Then on, on your little island, um, more trouble for Apple. The UK will investigate whether the iPhone upgrade program discriminates against disabled people because a disabled person launched a complaint when they were told that they actually couldn't get their stuff done without physically coming into the store. And they were like, I'm a disabled person in the middle of a pandemic. No, I can't physically come in. And they're like, well, if you can't physically come in, you can't have your stuff. And anyway, that was 
crankiness inducing, Apple have called the case meritless. So, if any, anyone um, has any thoughts on the, on the, I guess I, the big picture. For once, I, I I would have to say on that last one, mm-hmm. um, I would find against Apple. To be honest, I mean, if you are. I mean, in the UK already, there are, you know, a zillion rules that if you cannot access a shop in a wheelchair or, you know, um, all right, there are certain exemptions for period buildings and whatnot. But on the whole, if you cannot access a building or be offered suitable accommodation because you cannot access the building because maybe it's a period building or whatever, um, there are rules about that. And um, asking somebody to come in physically to exchange a product because they've got a problem i think breaks those rules and i'm afraid uh, for once i'm with like no sorry apple you're out well hang on was this actually in the middle of the pandemic when we know what time frame were they trying to get an upgrade because obviously if it's a pandemic then you shouldn't be going out anyway well just throw that one out there oh no they got asked you need a new phone and yeah, but, uh, but that's the thing. The devil is in the details here. I mean, what exactly was it? Was it just an upgrade? Was there a feature that they couldn't use? Was it something it, 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 that okay, was... Okay, so absolutely... to access the upgrade program, you have to come into the store, and Apple say it's the bank's fault. Because the contract well, okay, with the so... bank says you have to physically come in and sign it as if it's 1952. Yeah, but mm. obviously, we're still in a bit of a pandemic, so... I see both sides of this. It's frustrating not to get the new shiny, but was it absolutely essential to get the new shiny during the okay, pandemic? If able, it... able-bodied people can. It's the middle of a pandemic, so the argument for forcing you into a store is not in Apple's favour here. No, but then again, you know, able-bodied people shouldn't be going out for the pandemic either. Right, which is even more no, reason why no one should be bloody well told to physically come in and sign anything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's I, I, I just, I just think actually, I just, you know, Apple can blame the bank, and if they can prove it's the bank's fault, then the bank should get, you know, a penalty for being discriminatory. Just change the contract. Uh, I, I just, just feel, fix the problem. I think is all that needs to happen. Well, exactly. I, I mean, I it's think not the like they've got their own is... credit card, is it? It's, it's not like they've set up their own sort of <laughs> Apple banking system almost. I wish they had. Yeah, but you had. can't get it over it. Yeah. But anyway. I, yes, I, yeah, I'm waiting it, for it. Anyway, uh, the other long-running story, because I think, I think I made this a main story much too early. I think the first month Apple got loads of nominations, I made it a main story. And like for the three months since then, it just keeps on rolling. Apparently there's awards <laughs> for eight Rolling and rolling. So Ted Lasso and Stillwater earned Peabody Award nominations. Servant uh, from Apple TV Plus is on the TV Choice Awards long list. So I guess we get to have another story next month where they make it to the short list. And then maybe... The short list, yeah. And then maybe another story if they win. But anyway, we shall see. Meanwhile, daytime Emmys, uh, Apple TV Plus shows Ghostwriter and Helpsters have gotten themselves some nominations there. And Apple, Apple TV Plus lands the big door prize from Schitt's Creek writer. I don't even understand that headline, but it's another award that Apple TV Plus are in. No, I was going to say, I read that one and it was like, what does that even mean? But yeah. never mind. <laughs> it's a pity you don't have Charlotte Henry on this month because she would know. Um, but anyway. <laughs> she would know, indeed. We also Charlotte talked, would know, yeah. 
We also talked about AirTag and the Find My Stuff last month. Uh, there have been a few small developments since. Uh, Beats headphones can now be found in the Find My app. And uh, Tile have found a way to uh, expand their network by partnering with Amazon to join their new uh, fancy pants uh, pavement. I think it's called pavement. Was it pavement or footpath? No, I think it was pavement. Uh, Sidewalk. 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 Ah, one of those. <laughs> hey, I could be useful every now and again. <laughs> That's brilliant. I knew it had something to do with you know the place you walk next to the road. Uh, anyway. So they've joined forces with that, which should expand their network a bit. And uh, there were some questions about, you know, whether Apple were being anti-competitive. And uh, actually, that's I think I may even have left that out of the story, out of the show notes, actually. But basically, Apple said, yeah, we used to sell tiles, but no one bought them, which is kind of fun. Uh, and then also, <laughs> Apple have said that they are tweaking the algorithm for the uh, notifying you that there's an air tag that's not yours following you about. Um, so... They had said that the parameters were tweakable and initially they had said that if it's three days that an air tag is with you that's not yours, it will then start beeping at you. Well, that parameter has been tweaked and sometime within eight to 24 hours, it will start beeping at you. And another complaint made was that, well, what if you don't have an iPhone? If you have an iPhone, you get all these great notifications and stuff. So Apple have said, OK, fine, we'll make an Android app. Uh, so there is an Android app for AirTag coming before the end of the year is as much as we know. Ooh. That is kind of cool. Yeah. Oh, that's yeah. good. Go on, Simon. No, I was going to say, I think that's good. You know, they put a fair amount of effort into making the air tags more secure than other tracking devices for the Correct. purposes of, you know, unwanted stalking. Um, and the people complained that, you know, three days, it could stalk you for three days or whatever. And it, it will only, um, apparently, the thing was, if a tracker is following you you only get alerted when you get home and there was some debate about well what if you've got an abusive partner and all this i know some of these you know i'm not saying they're edge cases but they're well the way i look at it is no one else has no one else has made an effort at all and apple have actually made quite a decent effort exactly and now you know after some sort of backlash they've said okay we'll tighten it you know we'll shorten the period before you get alerted we will do more uh to tighten up on that that's great and you know i think that's good good on tweaking it right because you don't want to get to the stage where every time you're sitting on a bus everything's beeping because everything's assuming everyone's talking and everyone so the you know, there may be some tweaking needed in all sorts of directions but you know it is good to see apple do that tweaking they have been quite yeah, responsive they, on this product, haven't they? It's, it's been a nice change to see them actually, yeah, instead of waiting for things to mount up and mount up, they're actually yeah, being quite proactive about it. I wonder what the execs of Tyler are thinking. Do you think now that Amazon have sort of, you know, not bought them out, but they're definitely bedfellows together, do you think Tyler going, well, doesn't matter anymore, we've got, um, uh, we've got Amazon on our side? I think they're going, oh, phew, we're not quite dead yet. I think they're just taking a different different road. They're saying, here's here's another option. We've got two options. We could get in bed with, you know, Apple or can continue to tread our own path. You know, I mean, they've already got got their own network. All they're doing is trying to expand it without um, necessarily tying themselves to Apple, which is fair enough, you know. 
it's yeah. their business choice and they will see how that goes and if if it doesn't pan out doesn't really move the needle much i'm sure they'll reconsider their other options it's just that's just business. It's just the business world, isn't it? They're just very sensible in my playing opinion. their options. Very, very sensible in my opinion. Yeah. If, I, if I was their CEO, I think I'd have made exactly the same choice because it doesn't make sense for them yeah. to get into bed with Apple because they're trying to be the big alternative rather than like uh, Clipolo and stuff. They're not trying to be a small hardware vendor. They're trying to be a provider of a network. Well, in that case, they absolutely Indeed. positively need someone else's backbone architecture to have a chance of competing and... Here, here's a here's a, an architecture, a backbone that's independent of cell phones. So go for it. You know, it's very yeah. sensible. You know, I, I think from their point of view, that makes all the sense in the world. And I, I don't think that's a bad thing either. I think yeah. it's it's good that they are providing an alternative. And it's like if you don't want to be tied into the Apple ecosystem and you would still like a traceable tracker, then you know, we are still providing an alternative and we've expanded our capabilities. So good for them. Hopefully it'll be a little bit more than just... uh, Hopefully it'll be a little bit... They they might actually do something a bit better with the product. They have got smaller and they have let you replace the battery. But I don't know, I haven't really seen much excitement about tile products in quite a while. And I I backed it on Kickstarter. That's that's the age of mind-blooming tiles. Well, it's as we were as I said in the in last week's show, well, last yeah, week's show, they, they, you know, they're complaining now about Apple being anti-competitive, and I'm thinking, no, you guys had your chance. You had the whole you had the whole market exactly. to yourself for years, and you didn't manage to do anything interesting. So, yeah, tough. Allow me to find well, the world's yeah. smallest violin. Anyway, I'm yeah. going to move us on because this was supposed to be the follow-up section, and remember, <laughs> I have a hard out in an hour from now, so. We do need to, to move a pace. Let's Apple, go, let's go. HR and acquisition news. It's basically lots and lots of comings and goings this month. Um, so Apple have hired Sammy Bengio, another former Google engineer, who will be joining his previous formal Googler, uh, John G. Andrea, who is running the AI team. So basically another AI engineer from Google Poached. Uh, Stella Lowe is joining Apple as VP for Worldwide Corporate Communications. And she brings with her experience from doing similar work at Cisco and Dell. Uh, we also then have, um, sorry, typo in my own show notes, confusing me here. Uh, we have Scott Croyle, who was, he, he was known as HTC's Johnny Ive, which is, that led to some really confusing headlines that took me a lot of time to parse. It's like, Johnny Ive is coming back to design Beats headphones? No, no, no. It's HTC's equivalent <laughs> of Johnny Ive. He's coming to Apple to design the next set of Beats headphones. So I guess that's an interesting poach for Apple from HTC. That's got to sting a bit. And then Apple's misstep of the month. Apple very briefly hired a former Facebook exec. I'll just read oh, three headlines yeah. that sum it up here. Apple <laughs> hires former Facebook exec Antonio yeah. Garcia Martinez to the ads team. A petition is circulating among Apple employees regarding the company's, quote, misogynistic new hire. Quote, misogynistic Apple hire is out hours after employees call for investigation. So that's how that went. I think there was also an apology from Tim Cook saying, whoopsie yeah, daisies. So... And... Oops, yeah. And I I suspect somebody in HR has been carpeted. You know? yeah, <laughs> how the hell did you hire... Due diligence, right? 
Like, read the guy's book would be how, <laughs> how the hell did, did you, you hire him? <laughs> yeah. Basically, you wrote a book, and if you read the book, you know, there's a few quotes which maybe you could argue, oh, but in context, they're not so bad. But unfortunately, they keep coming, and the context doesn't help. So, anyway. No. Apple, uh, it was a bit like, how the hell did you manage that? Never mind. Move on. Wow. <laughs> he's in, he's out. Let's get over it. <laughs> well, it's better than with uh, the the guy they hired from. Was it PC World uh, Browett? They kept him on for six months. Oh, yes. John Browett, yeah. yes, who came in, run the whole company by a spreadsheet, and ended up working in Claire's accessories. I mean, it was way the fact that they kept him on for six <laughs> months was a way worse mistake than this. You know, in oh oh dear, and straight out, this did much yeah. less harm. <laughs> yeah, uh, and the, so that's people coming in. Um, then we also have someone leaving. We have uh, Mayong Cha is leaving the company. She's with Apple's health section at the moment, and she is off to join a startup, uh, a health-based startup, in fact. So that's a uh, pity for Apple. Uh, and then there's also Apple are hiring. Uh, they're looking for an alternative payments business manager. Uh, and they're looking for someone with cryptocurrency experience. If you're wondering what alternative payments is a euphemism for, it would appear to be a euphemism for cryptocurrency. Uh, and unfortunately, there is also a report from Bloomberg that, quote, several top managers are leaving Apple's self-driving car division. That It's hard to tell what's going on there, but I don't get the impression that's a happy project. The amount of changes of direction, changes of management... It seems to be a troubled project. It seems to be a bit confused. I'm, I, I think the problem there is that nobody's really sure where it's going. Um, obviously, I'm reading between the lines, but I just think people join, they have a vision of you know what they want to do, and Apple may say, well, we'll work on that, and then go, right, no, we're going to, no, that's not panning out. And then they go, well, look, I'm not interested in where you want to go, so they go off. Um, it's, and it's, it's, the whole it's a bit of a wayward car, project, I think, isn't it? It seems, it seems to be a bit I, rudderless. I, I think the car project is possibly, what was it Tim Cook said uh, that in that interview? You know, the car is about robotics, and robotics are bloody hard, basically. <laughs> he's not um, wrong. He's, he's not wrong there. He's not wrong. What is he's also, not wrong, is he? Is it, just what, is it also a case that once Apple is entering a market where it's actually starting to evolve and move forward? Like, for example, when we were talking about Tile versus AirTags, Tile had that market for ages and ages and ages, and then Apple came in and go, well, we see an opportunity here, no one's innovating. But now, obviously, with cars going electric and all the and a great big push, are they sort of just sort of entering the market maybe a little bit too late? Or too early? I, I, I think they're just. I think that Apple are cons, continuing to experiment with the options, and I do think they're just. I won't say playing, but they are not prepared to commit to anything until you know Apple won't commit to anything until they can produce what they think is a finished product. And I think at the moment they're just 
they're just like, you know, this is not going to be a finished product in the next 10 years. So we just keep, we push this way, we push that way, we, we you know, we um, explore this, we explore LiDAR, we explore whatever, and then we move in a different direction. I don't think that that project has a direct focus, and that is why people come and go. People come in and explore avenues, and then they get told maybe that's not the avenue that's helping, and they move on. I don't... You know, yeah. it's a, technically it's a secret project, so who knows? You know, well, who knows what they're doing? Nobody knows. Well, I hope Apple do. <laughs> well, yeah, obviously they do. They, well, they I think our fear is that well, they don't. Um, but well, no, to be fair, to, yeah. to be fair, I'm being a bit flippant. Um, to be fair, Apple are a company who who have the luxury of having the funds where it's okay for them to just. Ex- I mean, you called it play. I'll call it experiment, but they actually, yes. it's perfectly fine for them to experiment until they have a product. Because Apple aren't a company who throw out technology, they, th- they, they wait for products. So that's why they weren't first to market with a, with a folding phone that didn't actually solve a problem anyone wanted solved. And they, I, I know, not I know, I am almost certain that they have folding phones in their labs and have had for years and they're experimenting with them. And when they oh, find a product... Then we'll get it. And the same is going yeah. on with the car, right? They're trying to figure out what the product is. And once they have a product, then and only then are we going to see what it is. I mean, I, I, I think you're totally right there, Bart. And also, you know, I refer back to Gazmaz, who's said for years, right, ever since the rumours of an Apple car surfaced, he is convinced and he could be wrong, as he admits, but he is convinced what Apple are looking for is the driverless car as a service. Not something you can mm-hmm. buy, not a consumer product, not, oh, I've got this Apple car that will drive me to the office while I, you know, study my Excel spreadsheets in the back seat. He's convinced that what they're looking at is a driverless transport as a service, you know, Right, the car is not the product. The car is the mechanism of delivering the product, and the product is you can go from A to B. You just tell us where you want to go, and we will make it happen. You know, you know, you know. It's Uber Plus, if you like. You tap, you tap your phone. You say, "I need a car, and I want to go there." And a car, you know, I I nicknamed it the Travel Pod because I would not be surprised if it's not actually a tiny little. Little kind of pod travel Jetsons, one one you know one to two person you know smart car minus as it were that come turns up one to two people get in it it takes you where you want to go and drops you off and then it toodles off to the next person and you well, know that's what we need right we're because all guessing in a city how many cars what percentage of time does the average car spend actually being useful. Versus just taking up space, oh, right? And tiny, that's the problem, it's a right? Tiny amount. Yeah, exactly. So it's what a we tiny need, amount. So what we need is we need people not to have their own cars sitting in their driveway, but instead to just be confident that if you need to get from A to B, you can, and then you don't need your own car. Then you're liberated from having to worry about paying for a parking space. And in some cities, that's a big well, deal. 
and all the traffic I mean, in, immediately in London, disappears. I mean, in London, it's shocking. You know, people have to pay to drive into the, you know, they have to pay £10 a day to drive into the city and then probably, you know, up to maybe £30 a day to park the damn car. And, you know, if you look at Google Earth, you'll see there are places where there are huge acreages covered with nothing that but tarmac because why? Oh, there's all these cars who are doing nothing for... Yep. 95-plus percent of their time. Yep. Um, if we could get rid of that, geez, you could tear them, you know, uh, to, to reverse the, you know, the, they tore down the trees to put up a parking lot. We could be doing the reverse. We tore down the t- parking lots to put up trees. Well, I'm well, how, anyway. how would people? How would people go on holidays? Because I know that I, I, I share what he's saying, but, like, on the weekend... It was absolute pandemonium on the roads at the moment because people would want to go away and stuff like that. We haven't we haven't got the infrastructure. But coming back to what you say, are they trying to do be a bit of an Uber then? But an Uber as a service? I think so. I think so. But without you know a mechanism of achieving the same end, a different mechanism for achieving the same end. Yeah, because an Uber, you just basically say I I need to get from A to B, make it so Uber. You know, it's the same idea. Mm. Um. Yeah, it's, it's look. We shall never know. But anyway, uh, another change. Well, we'll in know eventually. Well, or it never eventually. comes out as a product. There's lots of things Apple yeah. work on for years that just never happen. That television yeah, no, Gene Monster knows they were working on. Yeah, allegedly. <laughs> no, no, it's almost <laughs> there's allegedly. one in the lab somewhere. Like I, I'm convinced there's one in the oh, lab. Oh, well, you know, there's any rumor you hear is in the lab somewhere. Because somebody somewhere is experimenting with it and saying, "Can we make this work, or well, is this a viable product?" R- and sometimes they go. F- I'm a firm believer. Rumors come in two forms. There are things that are actually in Apple's lab, and there is what I call the aspirational rumor. Basically, I oh, want well, this wish, to be true, so I'm just going. To, yeah, exactly. Yeah. I'm just going to rumor it and then hope to God it comes true. Anyway, moving on. Uh, a quick, quick on. visit to Apple original content highlights. I'm doing less and less of this every month because, God damn it, I'm not an expert on entertainment and don't want to be. But uh, I do think it is worth noting that uh, Prince Harry and Oprah's mental health docuseries has now debuted on Apple TV+, and it appears to be quite successful. Apple says it's their number one programme. Uh, and also okay. something yeah. that really caught my eye, <laughs> Apple are continuing their um, relationship with the Peanuts people. Who Are You, Charlie Brown is a new documentary about the creation of those wonderful characters we all love, which is debuting on Apple TV on June 25th. So I am absolutely looking forward to watching that. And uh, I'm afraid I'm on the other. I really couldn't give a monkeys and meh. But, you know, each their own. Each their own. Now, we have four main stories for the month. Uh, So the first one we will be doing is Epic v. Apple. Then we are going to move on to... Goodness me, there's a long scroll bar till I get to the second story. Uh, Apple Music is getting a a quality boost, shall we say. So that'll be main story number two. Then uh, a big development for the smart home movement as the matter standard comes into being. And then we're going to wrap up with Apple and what they did for International Accessibility Awareness Day, which was the 20th of May. 
So there are four main stories for the month. So by far the biggest of those four stories, both in terms of the scroll bar size in my show notes and in terms of the newsworthiness, <laughs> or maybe not the newsworthiness, certainly in terms of the news coverage, is the fact that Apple v Epic has finally gone to an actual courtroom. And for two weeks, lawyers and witnesses and judges well, a judge, um, spent time together in a courtroom talking over and back. Um, lots of stuff in the show notes. Uh, I've put actually two particularly good links at the top there. Basically, some excellent summaries explaining the lead up to the trial, uh, how we got to where we were, and then a whole bunch of links describing the trial itself. Um, so it's sort of, you know, we had opening arguments from each side. It was just, there was nothing unexpected in the opening arguments. We all knew what Apple, you know, Epic are saying Apple are being terribly anti-competitive and mean, and Apple are like, no, we get to run our own stuff. And the store is kind of important, and we run it this way because otherwise it'll be a cesspool. And that 30% isn't only to cover the credit card processing fees, it's to cover, you know, stuff like running the whole of our ecosystem and the developer tools and all that stuff's all coming into that 30%. And... You know, so then there was evidence, there were witnesses. So I guess just a run through of the headlines and then we can swing back. Uh, So we found out that Epic Games would have accepted a special deal with Apple, their CEO admitted while being questioned. Uh, Epic and Apple squeeze Microsoft over Xbox xCloud restrictions because, well, if the Xbox is allowed to do what the Xbox does, why isn't Apple? This is an obvious question. Uh, the judge was... And the PS, of course. Yes, indeed, all of those closed systems. The judge was literally dumbfounded when Apple tried to explain why xCloud and the like are different to Netflix and the like. And this is kind of something I've been saying for ages, is that if Apple treated games like media, they wouldn't have this problem. And the judge seems to be on my wavelength. And Apple did try to explain that games are different to TV shows and movies. and. The judge wasn't seeming particularly convinced. I don't think she I was neither. buying. I don't think she was buying that. No, <laughs> I don't think she was buying that. No. We also found out that Apple were blindsided it- by Epic's hot fix. In other words, the the, the patch that bro- that that caused all this to happen in the first place. Uh, Apple insists that they promote their competitors' apps all the time when the, the head of the app store gave evidence. Apple say that less than 1% of their app projections are actually appealed by developers, which is, again, interesting insight from behind the scenes. Apple filed a motion. Basically, Microsoft's Laurie Wright basically did something the judge said shouldn't be done. The judge didn't want surprises during the court case, and Laurie Wright basically presented a whole bunch of new stuff as evidence during her testimony, and Apple were like, hang on a second. You aren't supposed to do this. You're supposed to give us all the documents up front. Um, Epic Games said that iOS is in fact an entire market so Apple have um, lock-in and Apple are being monopolists Uh, the judge then floated a potential compromise which is uh, definitely one of the more interesting things the judge basically said well what if you just let the apps like Netflix actually link people to their website what if you stop this whole stupid rule yeah and Again, this is something I've been it's saying the, for ages. This is nuts. This is user hostile. It's like I download this app and the app is not allowed to help me. The app is not allowed to be user friendly. The, the app yeah. is banned from being user friendly, which is ridiculous. I, I, 
I mean, I think um, on Essential Apple, we've discussed this several times, and it's always come up that the the biggest kind of problem that we see, I mean, Nick is a big believer in his Apple Store, and you don't have to sign up to it if you don't want to, and the rules are clear. So if you sign up, you have to accept the you know, whatever deal, and, you know, 30% is the same. It's pretty much industry standard. It's pretty much what Sony and Microsoft and Google and everybody else charges. So Apple did this, you know, all right, if you earn less than a million dollars in in revenue or, or profit or whatever it was, I don't know the exact terms, but it was, you know, if you make less than a million dollars a year, then we will cut it to 15% and said that that was, I don't know, 97%, of people on the App Store. Um, but every podcast I've listened to and every podcast I've been on, and I think we might have even discussed this before, Bart, when I was last on, hmm. and where we said that the whole anti-steering thing is the biggest problem. If they removed the anti-steering thing and said, look, you can pay... £12.99 through click pay now or you can go to our website and it I mean even if they don't get to say all that they don't even have to just you know you can pay here or you can pay there if you're not a member yet here's our URL like that's it that's all even if they're only allowed to have like a one button URL to say find out more go here exactly go here and uh, uh, you know nick and i have slightly different views about the, the the store but you know we all agreed that that anti the biggest problem is the anti-steering and it would appear from comments the judge made at the end of tim cook's um and the question she asked him at the end of his testimony would imply that her biggest problem is that, you know, she. I got the impression that the judge was very much, the rest of this case is a lot of flannel about nothing and you're two bunches of, you know, mega billion corporations who are behaving like children and why is this even in my courtroom? You should just go away and resolve it like bloody grown-ups. But as you're yes. here... <laughs> anyway, I'm going to continue reading through the the um, the, yeah, sure. the what actually happened. So, Phil Schiller then gave testimony where he tried to explain why XCloud's service isn't on the App Store. I say I didn't find his explanation convincing. Apple slammed the unspeakable itch.io content hosted on Epic Game Store. So basically, Epic Game Store allows an app called itch.io to host their own stuff, which is basically a store within a store. And Apple's point is that the store within a store is a cesspool. And they kind of had a point. Uh, we also found out okay. from Phil Schiller that uh, it cost $50 million to host WWDC, which is kind of interesting. Uh, apparently, the Apple Small Business Program has been in the works since 2016, according to Phil Schiller. Uh, Apple then filed a motion to get uh, a part of Epic's case immediately dismissed. Uh, this is basically the bit where I think Epic are looking for damages because they're being denied access to iOS. And I really get the impression the judge is on Apple's side on this one because the judge was like, no, no, Apple haven't 
forced you off the store, you forced yourself off the store. <laughs> you know, you, yeah. you, you, this, you this is a problem of deliberately broke the rules and then got kicked off. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you, you, you even had the ad ready for when you knew you would get kicked <laughs> yeah. off for doing what you did. Uh, then <laughs> And the writ, by the way. <laughs> yes. And the writ. I mean, the writ was like on the table. The second that they went, yeah. we've broken the rules. What are you going to do about it? Oh, we've great. kicked you out. Here's a writ. Yeah, the lawsuit's ready, the ad's ready, off we go, folks. Uh, Operation Freedom, as they called it, I think. Uh, Craig Federighi then gave yeah. evidence where uh, he basically said the reason we need the iPhone to be like it is is because otherwise its security would be like the Macs, which is not as good as we'd want it to be, which is a very strange argument to hear Apple make. But there is more malware on the Mac than there is on iOS. That is that is a true fact. So, again, interesting for Craig Federighi to stand up in court and say that. I believe he described it as the level of malware on Mac OS is unacceptable to that the worst. Exactly I think that's what he said, wasn't That's it? exactly what he said. Uh, Apple then accused so, Microsoft of being in league with Epic. Again, they're very salty about that testimony from Microsoft in the case. Very salty. Mm. Uh, <laughs> yeah, not happy. Yeah. Um, then the last day, the end of the trial was Apple CEO Tim Cook giving evidence uh, and he really got quite a questioning. And at one point in the questioning, he was like, yeah, I mean, it'd be really difficult to have alternative payment mechanisms because how would we collect the 30 percent? I mean, the, 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 we would need to have accounting and paybacks and it would be very difficult. It just seems like a problem in the making. And everyone's like, you're assuming you'd still charge the 30 percent. And it's like, yeah, because the 30 percent <laughs> isn't for credit card processing. The 30 percent is for everything we do. So that that was interesting. Um, I mean, that was. I I would just say that was very interesting because um, I can't remember who I was listening to. It was either Apple Insider or The Verge, um, where they said, but the judge went right to the heart of it. Yeah, all the other flannel, all this other stuff about games and blah blah blah. It was like you are in charge of your app store, right? And you are taking 30%. Yes. Okay. Why do you feel entitled to take 30%? And, you know, are you saying that gamers who play games like Fortnite are actually supporting you? And he went, that's how we make our money. We have to make money somehow. (laughs) You know, Tim Cook, for once, kind of broke out of his little, you know, Uncle Tim Shell and just went, that's where we make our goddamn money. What do you want? <laughs> um, I just found that interesting. It's just very, very... What about if Apple, instead of just showed 30% of what they're taking, what about if they did more of an Amazon style? Because the thing is, Amazon... In the world of retail, I would say it's a bit bigger than Apple. And I think they charge a little bit more than 30% when you add up all the other fees because you've got the fee for selling, the fee for listing, the fee for shipping. It's way more than 30%. And I know because I've spent time uh, and money trying to make a profit on there. And God knows I bloody can't. That's why you've got so many knockoffs on there. So what about if they were to break it all down and say, well, we're going to charge you... um, I don't know, let's say 15% of having your app on the app store. Asterix. And then in that Asterix, it actually break down the actual additional cost for um, the first thousand downloads are three. Then 
after a thousand downloads, you get charged five percent in two, uh, then three percent, and etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. Do you think that would have been a bit of a workaround to sort of mitigate all this if they just sort of went right? We're going to make it completely confusing for you to work out how much it's going to cost to sell on our app store. Well, I think obviously the answer is no. It would not have been better. Um, no. no, I don't think so. I think the, no, I no think but the, you know what I mean. It's like would that have mitigated yeah, all of no. like the the legalese or just to say, well, we actually charge fifteen percent, but then depending on how well the app sells, we I, have I think, rates accordingly. I, th- I think the, the 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 most telling comment from the judge was when they said, "Well, we introduced a small." business program so anybody who makes less than a million dollars right doesn't pay 30 percent; they only pay 15 percent. and the judge went yes but you didn't do that because of competition you did that because of regulatory pushback the fact that you're being investigated and that seemed like a good out now i know google then copied them and went okay we'll match you know, we'll match Apple on the. I, I think they made a slightly better offer by a margin, hmm. but um, I think Google said there's not an exact cut off, unlike Apple. But the the point is, the judge went, "You didn't do that because of competition. You did that because people like me and the EU and the Senate are looking at what you do." And that's the heart of this whole thing. This is the heart of it, isn't it? Because it's an anti-competition trial or investigation. It's not really about did well, Apple crap on, you know, did they... They didn't do it the goodness of their heart, basically. They did it because they had to react to it, which is a little... I think what what's getting me is I'm... I used to like Apple. I used to like this little plucky underdog who I felt to be, you know, quite privileged to be a part of the ecosystem. But then when they're coming across as very much, well, we're rich and we want to be richer and we've got all the money. It's not our fault you can't sell your app elsewhere and make all the money for yourself. That's why I'm... I'm not sure that's quite fair either. But, I mean, there has been a change. I... I felt it was a negative thing when I, so when Steve Jobs introduced the App Store, he said the money was to break even. This was the, the yes. whole point of the App Store was to improve the ecosystem, and therefore the App Store was designed to run break even, and that made all the fees and stuff seem utterly reasonable and utterly fair, and everyone was happy that there were gatekeepers, and it was just a. It, it, it basically was for the good of the platform, and all the users felt. You know, I certainly thought there was a benefit to everyone who who was an iOS user. Oh, indeed. And no, when Tim Cook came in and said, our aim is to make it to double our services revenue, I was like, oh dear. This yes, has just that's set up exactly. Some perverse incentives. And that's yeah. why well, it's, it's the regulatory stuff. That's why, that, that, I mean, if they stop trying to use this to extract as much money as they can in a place where they are both a player and the referee in the same game, they would have a lot less anti competition problems. If they were just as, doing it to break even. The way I look at Apple now is that Apple make products for accessories. They don't make accessories for products. Mm, but they've always made products first. So that's kind of why we like Yeah, no, but, no, no, but if no, you think no. of the marketing... I think, I think what Mark's trying to say um, is... And, I, I, you know, he said it several times on The Essential Apple. 
and I think it's right. For example, right, the air tags are I don't know twenty nine dollars a piece, right, or more are, for a yeah. hundred dollars. Well, the twenty nine euros yeah. anyway. But well, yeah, exactly. You're you know, give or take. Oh, yeah, slightly I, exactly, less that's what it paid for mine. Well, yeah, all right, so that works out slightly less than, than than the UK, but, you know, we have VAT and other garbage, so that's not the point. The point is, if you buy a set of air tags for, you know, 99 euros, 99 dollars, 99 pounds, whatever it is you pay for them, they... You know, they don't have a hole in them, like the Chipolo or a Tag or one of the others. So Apple would happily sell you then a, a little leather key tag to put it in, which costs as much as the damn air tag in the first place. Um, now, terms of you apply, you don't have to buy one from Apple, but you no, can see you that the average Joe Smo would. And I think that's well, what you hit. That's it, what I'm trying to say. It's like the decision to go... Um, reduce the ports on the on the MacBooks. Do we really believe there was not a bit of a decision to say, you know what, if we remove one port, what would that equate to in dongle sales or cable sales? I, I, okay, I'm I'm sorry, I am not going with you down that. I, I am going to go on no, record as saying no. I disagree one hundred and ten percent in with that conspiracy theory. It, uh, yeah, I don't know. So you I, asked, would be, I say? Be on a spreadsheet the answer is, somewhere. yes, I would. I, no, I, I would place a bet it would be on a spreadsheet somewhere. They would have had to forecast yeah, it somewhere. I'm, However, I, I'm, I'm, no, I'm with Bart on this one. I don't think they care about that. It's most people really don't the buy opportunity dongles. to make only, money. Only the nerds buy the dongles. The, the percentage of Apple users who plug stuff into their device, like. We, the, those of us who are the self-selecting group, who are the nerds who get on podcasts and stuff, we're the kind of people who need to plug 20 different things into our Mac. But exactly. we're not the I'm average Jamie. person. And I've, look, I've got an M1 MacBook. It's got two USB-C ports and a headphone port. And that, I have not yet found a situation where I am upset that, God damn, I wish I never... I, you know, I, I wish I had another port. The fact that the battery life is insane is if it's charged, you know, I can plug a hard drive in and I can plug my mic in and I can plug my headphones in. Job done. Yeah, so, yeah. no, I, I don't... Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm with you on that one, Bart. You know, 99% of users never need to plug in more than one thing at a time right, so, i'm going to bring us back no, on, on topic here because there's half an hour left until i have to mm. have to end the show so <laughs> there is a link it's not, in the it's show not like us taking off course there, there is a link in the show notes i definitely want to draw people's attention to um 10 quotes that could reveal the outcome of the apple v epic games show we've already mentioned quite a few of these in fact um uh, Simon, you've mentioned actually a lot of the. You've called out a lot of these already, but again, it's like the places where the judge is calling out the fact about the thirty percent. Um, so it's a very good article, and on balance, what you end up with is that the judge's questioning seems to imply that the uh, what is what is it the the phrase you had for anti steering, anti steering, it's. The anti-steering thing seems to be really heavily in the in the crosshairs here, but the rest of it doesn't. The rest of it seems to be going Apple's no. way based on the questioning purely. From a practical point of view, 
The judge will rule on this when she's good and ready. Uh, she joked that she might release her ruling on the one-year anniversary of the, uh, the, the, the the stealth update that triggered all of this mess, but she was joking, um, so no one's sure quite how long it will take, but it's probably not going to be quick, and as we've already mentioned, everyone knows this is going to appeal anyway, so we are nowhere near um, the end of this thing. She, she has said that she will release her report slash judgment by mid-August. Apparently, that's what I've read. So okay, what um, I've read was that she joked about the thirteenth, but that no, that that wasn't actually serious. So I, I, okay, let's I, we don't know. So leave, leave it at that. Um, we don't know. We don't know. So something interesting. Uh, last during last month's show, uh, Kelly Gamart said that one of the things she was looking forward to most about this trial was the fact that the the discovery process would reveal a whole bunch of interesting little tidbits on the side. So I actually took note of some of these little tidbits that have come out. Um, so a quick little um, rundown of what caught my eye. Apple and Epic had actually worked out a deal for a Fortnite subscription bundle, but it fell through. So basically, imagine Apple won, but including a Fortnite subscription. So that's kind of an interesting thing that didn't quite happen. So they were quite happy to work together until it didn't work out. Uh, Phil Schiller advocated reducing the App Store fee a decade ago. Interesting. Yep, that was very interesting. Very App- interesting. Apple debated whether or not to bring ads to the App Store way back in 2015. Definitely also uh, interesting. They didn't do it then. Unfortunately, they went and did it right now in the middle of all of this, which is a related news story I have down at the bottom here, which is talk about scoring an own goal. But anyway, that's... Yeah. <laughs> um... Epic have revealed, uh, basically, there were internal emails from Epic leak that said a whole bunch of Epic staff were really quite worried about Project Liberty, as they call this little mess. Mm. Um, Apple managed, or not Apple, Microsoft managed to get a rival kicked off the App Store as part of their feud over xCloud, which is a bit unfortunate for the innocent victim. Um, Apple gave Hulu special API access, we found out. Uh, we also found out that 128 million users unknowingly downloaded malware way back in 2015, and Apple decided that it was easier just to get rid of the malware, not to tell people. There's, oh, I'm, being, I'm being a bit short on that one because it was a long time ago. But, yeah, it was quite... Yeah, long, it, it, long time, 2015, long, long time ago now. Yeah. Um, and... We also got some internal documents expl- revealing something called Project Columbus, which was a huge effort Apple made to get their App Store review in line. There was also a very funny email from Phil Schiller where he's basically like, what the hell is going on in App Store review? This is ridiculous. And was, you know, so anyway, then there were also two press releases from Apple that quite clearly are related the App Store prevented 1.5 billion in fraud last year and removed 150,000 spam apps. Yep, that definitely has everything to do with why we have to have um, the fee to pay for the app reviewers. That's obviously why they were touting that. And then the other one they released was 643 billion in App Store billing and sales in 2020. In other words, we're really helping developers make money. Look at us help developers make money. Look at all that money developers are making. That's quite clearly what that was. Mm. Uh, and then in related news, just just because they couldn't do it at a worse time, Apple are now offering a way for developers to buy ads in the App Store. 
yeah, not 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 a good look. Do they need to? Uh, I understand the technical principle of like being able to buy ads, but you're just going to end up with what happens on Google. Like you'll have Overcast, people search for that. There's yep. nothing to stop like a new startup just doing what they do, spending an absolute bucket load of money just on advertising. Or like for example, I wanted to go and find test flight for the Mac the other day. And I could not find it. I had to scroll and scroll and scroll just to get past the advert, a couple of adverts or sponsored listings. Mm. I mean, why? I mean, surely there becomes a point where somebody somewhere just has to say, we just need to keep this clean. Do we actually need this revenue in exchange for making things a bit harder for our users. Yeah. And this is what keeps creeping and creeping and creeping. I mean, what's going to happen next? Are they going to go as far as that they might do, um, in, uh, what's it called, in inserting dynamic ads into podcasts? How far are they willing to sort of push it with their own platform? That That, that is an interesting question, because if, you, if you've told your investors that you're going to keep, you know, juicing up the services money then you end up with a perverse incentive to do very un-Apple-like things and start to become really quite customer hostile because you've promised your shareholders you're going to keep pulling more money out of your existing Indeed. Yeah. And that's the thing. We used to Indeed. all love going on to the Apple thing, saying, oh, we're not spammed by adverts. It's safe and secure. And we hear stories about apps that if you use a VPN, it takes you to a gambling website. Of course, that's really hard to be fair to actually you know, account yeah, for. But then to charge people... To, to charge a developer to say advertise their app when they're already paying thirty percent, that that just oh. yeah, that's a bit stinky, isn't well, it? it? It's just it doesn't help when you're in the middle of being investigated by regulators all over the world. It's like here's some some oh, there's a fire smoldering here. How's about I take some gasoline and throw it on it? What could possibly get on it? Yeah. Oh. <laughs> what, uh, could, what could possibly go wrong there? Yeah, yeah, what could possibly go wrong? Anyway, and uh, you know, not 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 to say that you know the app store de- uh, discoverability is already a bloody dumpster fire, and fairness, searching for something by name fairness, doesn't already the, turn it up. You're right. The search is 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 from the 1980s, but the 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 actual editorial content is actually very good. Well, there's no ads yes. on the Apple Arcade stuff. If they're going to be fair. Then surely you should allow ads in the Apple Arcade section. Anyway, that's all uh, right. Twenty minutes, folks. We have we have one of our four main stories done, and there is twenty minutes left of this show. So I'm going to move us all right, on. Come on, let's move on. So move just on. to very quickly say that the other bits of related news were that Spotify took the time to have an op-ed against Apple, and the Snap CEO actually had the opposite. It was like, no, no, we're happy to pay the thirty percent. We wouldn't exist without the iPhone. So that yeah. was an interesting counter was- example. Now, interesting. That was a killer comment. I thought. Yeah. Second, second main story. Uh, for no extra money, Apple Music is getting lossless audio and Dolby Atmos, which is that 3D effect stuff. Um, the biggest kerfuffle here was uh, that it's actually not possible to have lossless audio over Bluetooth. So. A whole bunch of stuff that you thought might get lossless audio because Apple make it isn't getting lossless audio and half the planet lost its ever-loving mind. But it's free. And basically, mm. if you have an iPhone, an iPad, a Mac, an Apple TV, uh, then you're going to have lossless audio. There is a software update coming for the AirPods. Uh, not the AirPods, no, uh, the HomePods. HomePods. 
and you're not yeah, getting it on the AirPods, not even the AirPods Max. So like, now, I, I, I looked into this because it was very confusing at first. Apple's was. messaging was very, very confusing. <coughs> Sorry. Um, it would appear, from what I can determine from my reading into it, that the problem is not Bluetooth. It's the Bluetooth which is used by wireless headphones. This is a, you know, there's a specific... Um, <coughs> sorry. Uh, there's yeah, the a codex, specific... Right? The, the, the Bluetooth spec is open, so it's like... The, the Bluetooth spec is standard, and there's certain... Um, Codecs that, that are that are possible, and there's certain bandwidths available within the spec. So until there is a new specification to allow for higher bandwidth, which I'm sure Bluetooth six, I guess, is the next one we're due, will probably address well, the, this. As far as I understand it, if you have a Bluetooth speaker, that will probably still support uh, lossless. Okay. Um, eh. Hence the fact that Apple have said the HomePods will get a software update to support it. But the HomePods the, are over the, IP. That's what makes them different. That's why the HomePods can do it, because that's over IP, not Bluetooth. Well, at the moment, they, they, they can't do it anyway, right at the minute. They still right, can't do a, it right now. That's just a driver issue. That, that's just a driver. That, they just need a software, okay. software update. The issue there isn't Bluetooth, well, because they're not Bluetooth. But far, as I say, it's very muddy, and the messaging is very unclear. But from what I read, certain Bluetooth speakers will be able to accept it, but the the form of Bluetooth, which is usually used by Bluetooth headphones, does not have the bandwidth to ca- carry it. Um, I'm not an expert by any... Well, there are links in the show notes with a little bit more detail on this stuff, but basically it is a, it, it's, it's not because Apple don't want to do it over their Beats headphones and stuff, because obviously they do. It's just that literally the Bluetooth specification does not have enough room for that much data. And um, the rumours, and these are rumours, I know, are that Apple will be looking at using AirPlay to feed lossless to various Bluetooth devices. That support that can support AirPlay. So, for example, you know your five hundred and fifty quid AirPod Max. That would can. be good. That would be good. Or at least let it go over the cable when you plug it in over Lightning. But again, you need a firmware update for that. But that seems plausible. I'm going to have a cheeky side bet here that I think they've already been experimenting with um, some audio aspects of some of their TV shows um, because I could swear I was listening, watching Ted Lasso on my Mac uh, on the M1 MacBook Air and I heard a knock and I literally looked at my door to see if someone was coming in and I could swear it was they've already experimented with some spatial audio. We just haven't noticed it. I'm almost certain they've told us they were adding spatial audio to some of their shows. I think they've yeah, already done it. I think they are. Yeah, I, know. I, I, I don't think that's news. I think that's something we knew they were doing. It's kind of cool that it oh, okay. literally was good enough to fool you, or not fool you, to, oh, to work, right? Honestly, to, to, to do its thing. I had to replay the clip, um, clip three, four times because it's like, there's someone at my door and it's like midnight and I wasn't too drunk. And it was, it was like, <laughs> wow, 
that's when I fell in love with the Mac would care a little bit more. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty cool. Um, one one other important thing to note. So this is a free upgrade, which is great. So the fact that it's all a bit confusing yes. is much, much less of a problem when it's a free bonus instead of a product they're trying to charge yeah. for. Because let's, let's face it, during most of last month, the rumours were that they were going to add a lossless premium level to Apple Music. And it's not, you know, it's like, no, you will just get it. If you've got Apple Music, all this stuff will just be chucked in. It's free. Yeah. And then immediately, showing that some markets are working, it immediately had an effect on the competition where Amazon reduced the price of their their high-definition product to the same price as their normal-definition product. So basically, although they're doing it in a slightly different way, Amazon losses has now become a free upgrade to Amazon Music Unlimited. So they were very quick off the mark. Moving on to main story number three. So in the past, we joked about the terrible backronym CHIP, which was uh, the, oh, I have it in the show notes, the Project for Connected Home over IP. And the idea here was that a whole bunch of the major vendors, including Apple, Amazon, Google, and hardware makers, were going to work together to make a standard to allow interconnectivity between smart home devices so that there would be this baseline protocol which all of the devices could implement and then they would work with all of the major home automation systems and they'd all be able to communicate with each other in a secure and proper way. And the good news is that that has come to... what. to, to the point of fruition where it's now an official spec instead of a project. So initially there had been the Zigbee Alliance and they have renamed themselves the Connectivity Standards Alliance, which is a much more boring name than Zigbee Alliance, which I think sounds cool. But anyway, that includes people <laughs> like Amazon, Apple and Google and Ikea, actually. Um, yes. And yes, what had to be... interesting, I found. Well, they have a lot of smart products or smart home they products. Do. They and do. They are a bit of a home they company after all. That's kind of yes, their shtick. Very much. Um, the chip project has matured into the Matter standard. So devices will be certified against the Matter standard. And if a device is certified against the Matter standard, then you know that it will be able to interact with other certified devices and it will be able to interact with all of the major home assistants, your S lady, A lady, and G person. Um, Indeed. And we are expecting to have the first such devices available to us later this year. So I think what I I just really like that we're now getting into the stage where smart home is moving from being this Wild West mess. You know, I think we're a year away, basically, from it becoming really easy to answer that question from your friends and family. So uh, which doorbell should I buy? Or <laughs> yeah. how do I know if these light bulbs will work in my house? Or... I bought this thing and it doesn't talk to this thing, but it does talk to that thing. I think if you could just say to people, yeah. look for the icon that says matter certified and you're grand. Yeah. And you're good on. Yeah, exactly. And and that's what we need. We yeah. really did need that. We really? really did. We need. And um, I know this might not technically fall into last month, but um, did you see, uh, it was either yesterday or today that, Mozilla, Apple, Google, and Microsoft are forming a group to standardize the um, standards for browser plugins so that you won't get this thing anymore where it works with Chrome but not with 
Well, that's very cool. I'm not totally sure it has to do with automating my house, but it is very cool. Oh no, no, it's not. It's just a, it's just a slight spin off, and it, it, I think it was yesterday. So it's not technically in last month, but um, there you go. That they apparently are forming an alliance to form a, a you know a browser extension standard, which means when you develop a, a a browser extension, it should work with everything. Yay! Then one password can get even better everywhere. I like it. Mm. Um. I, I, that's probably, to be honest, I mean, I, I do think it's worth calling it out as, a, as one of the main stories because I think it is actually a very big development for the whole smart home ecosystem, this matter standard, but it, there's not really much more to say about it. So I'm going to move us straight on to our fourth and final main story, uh, which is... I was going to say, be, be, just before we do move on, do you think that has anything to do with the rumoured Home OS? Well, the home OS is going to support it, obviously. Oh. <laughs> yeah, just, just, just a, you know, it's just one of those things that's floating out there at the minute that, you know, some people have dug into the code and found references to a thing called Home OS. Wasn't it a job posting that they found the reference in rather than code this time? I thought it was a job posting that very, very, very quickly got edited. Uh, I'm not sure. No, but anyway, you know, the rumours are, right, are out there. That's it, but... I, I think that's pack, a topic you know, for next month's show when WWDC indeed, has, probably. has been and gone because I imagine been we shall gone. learn more. So, And, of course, WWDC is tomorrow as we record this. No, not tomorrow. The day after tomorrow, I think you'll find. day after tomorrow, yes. Sorry, I'm so used to recording on a Sunday, I keep forgetting that this is actually a Saturday. Never mind. Move on. So... Fourth and final main story, International Accessibility Awareness Day was the 20th of May and um, Apple did a bunch of things, you know, little things across its entire service and there's a link in the show notes to just the various little bits and bobs, uh, iMore collecting them together, Apple Fitness Plus is getting closed captioning, which is kind of a nice little thing. But then Apple did something very unusual for Apple. They pre-announced a whole bunch of new accessibility updates that are going to be coming out over the remainder of the year. Uh, There's a really good summary on tidbits linked in the show notes, but I think the standout features are something called Sign Time, which they've rolled out immediately Mm. for the US, the UK and France. And it allows customers to communicate with Apple using their local sign language. So that's ASL for the Americans, BSL for the Brits, and LSF for the French. And that is such a big step up where people who are reliant on sign language can now interact directly with Apple's sales and support team from their phones, which I think is darn cool. Yeah, excellent. And that's live already, which is great. Uh, Not live, but... Coming up is something called assistive touch, which I I didn't initially understand until I did a bit more digging. But basically, they're using the various sensors on the Apple Watch to detect gestures and use those to control an iPhone. Now, and I thought gestures, I had these visions of people waving their arms around and these mad big gestures. But no, it's much more subtle things like a, a fist clench and things like that. So someone with very limited mobility can use very subtle gestures picked up by the watch to control their phones. You know, important mm. stuff like answering calls and those kind of things. So, yeah, clench your fist to answer a call, and you know, pinch your fingers to, uh, you know, change apps and so on. It's uh, yeah, I mean, it's big stuff for for people who rely on these technologies. The level of freedom, the, the, this kind of you know, 
simple to describe, but probably technically very difficult to implement oh. technology gives you. Because instead of having to have a special device to to um, you know to, to to read these various things or whatever, you're just wearing your watch, and it's able to pick these things up. It's it's darn clever. So I, I'm really looking forward to that right. coming out. Damn clever! Uh, and the other one, which you may have or not in the notes, of course, is that they are um, adding third-party eye tracking devices. Yes, indeed Which, they are. So there's two hardware things. So you have the eye trackers you've mentioned and bidirectional hearing aids will be supported as well. So mm. there are new hardware support features coming. Which is a big deal. A very course, big deal. Uh, for, for those who don't know what eye tracking is for, if you're, uh, you know, uh, a quadriplegic or, you know, suffer from other debilitating motor uh, problems, third-party eye tracking allows you to control your Mac or, well, I think it's for the Mac, but it allows you to track your eye movement so you can, for example, look at an icon and blink your eyes to open it and, you know, move the cursor around by tracking your eyes, which obviously is fabulous, fabulous. Mm-hmm. I've got one anecdote for this. Um, in my job, we had someone came uh, come into where I work and they the, the iPad had a weird thing. It had flashing blue boxes going around elements of the screen. And a couple of the engineers That's... who aren't um, familiar with Apple were going, oh, what's going on here? And for some reason, I've not done anything with accessibility. I just instinctively knew, like, That's a very Apple feature. It's, 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 yeah, it's too... voiceover. Yeah, it is it's really voiceover good. voiceover feature. Yeah. It was absolutely brilliant. I'm actually looking forward to trying. I, I don't have any, uh, you know, any disabilities or anything like that. But I'm actually looking forward to trying some of these, you know, as a fully abled person to see what, you know, what how I could use utilize it and all that sort of stuff. Uh, and I think this is one of. It's quite ironic, isn't it? We spent like a, a, quite a while ragging on Apple. When they do bad, they do really bad. But when they do good, damn, they get. Oh yeah, it's. It's the devil you know and the devil you know with the Apple sometimes. Well, particularly on accessibility, their track record is pretty darn good. Yeah. Oh, it's yeah. Amazingly good, I have to say. You know, they they do fabulous things for accessibility. Okay, they well, really I am going to wrap us up, just f- finish out the show with some quick stories. Um Apple have published their supplier responsibility report for 2021. It's not a main story because it wasn't particularly exciting, but it's still good they do it every year. Apple have also handed out some more of their uh, giant big advanced manufacturing fund. There is 45 million going to Corning, the company behind Ceramic Shield and Gorilla Glass and basically all the things that make our phones less shattery when we inevitably drop them. Uh, you will also, if you're an Android user, you will be able to fast pair your Beats headphones as there's Android support coming for uh, for Apple's Fancy Pants headphones, which is really cool. Uh, there are two new Pride bands released by Apple because it is Pride Month. Um, and the watch face also has a little Easter egg, actually, which uh, I think was Charlotte posted about that over on the Mac Observer. And uh, I actually am the happy owner of one of the two Pride bands. The, there's a solo loop in the Pride colours, which is the first ever time I bought a solo loop. It's the braided solo loop, and it's darn nice. There is also um, a one of the uh, sports bands as well in the Pride colours. 
and then finally, as we already mentioned, Apple have confirmed the schedule for the Worldwide Developer Conference for 2021. And there, as we all knew there would be, it will kick off with a keynote on June 7th. So we will all get to watch that. And there will be, actually, I should mention, there's a, the keynote is cool because that's the bit that's meant for end users. But a lot of the nerdy detail comes in the second keynote, which is also available for free if you install the developer app on your Apple TV or whatever, which is the State of the Union or the State of the OS's keynote, which basically is a nerd keynote, which comes in the afternoon on the same day. And I would highly recommend. I'm not sure. I'm not sure you even need to have the developer thing anymore. I think you need to have the app. Or you're not going to find the stream. But you don't have to pay. Oh, right. okay. You don't have to pay to be a. You don't. You, a free developer account will do you just grand. In fact, just the app is probably grand. You may not even have to log in. But yeah. if you don't have the developer app in your Apple TV or on your iPhone, I don't know how you're going to find the video. Okay, fine. Okay. Because it's not going to come up in the Apple events. It's not going to come up on Apple TV in the same way that the keynote does. No, it won't come up on the Apple TV. But I think you can find it like from your, you know, from your Mac. Same as the uh, State of the Union and various other things that they do are now freely available to all if you go to their... Mm. But the app for Apple TV is great. If you just download the developer app for the Apple TV, it it just means you can watch it on the comfort of your telly, uh, which is... Excellent. All right. I do that every year, yes. Right, I am going to wrap it up here. Folks, thank you very much for giving so freely of your Saturday evenings. It is always appreciated that you... You know, spend some of your precious time, you know, talking to me and the listeners. So uh, in no particular order, uh, let me see, Mark, since you haven't been on a while, do you want to tell people where they can find you on the Internet? Uh, you can find me on Twitter as at Ocean Speed. Uh, you, I've got a little bit of a YouTube channel called at Essential, oh, sorry, at Essential, Essential Apple on YouTube. And you can find me now and again on the Essential Apple podcast. Excellent. And Simon? Well, of course, you can find me on the uh, Essential Apple podcast. Uh, all our stuff is on uh, EssentialApple.com. You can find me personally on Twitter as at Serenak, and that's S-E-R-E-N-A-K. Um, and, of course, you know, most of us who are, are uh, you know, regulars of the Essential Apple are in our Slack room. And if you go to our, uh, you know, any of our show notes, there's a direct link which will take you into the Slack room. No special invite required. You can just follow it and join the madness. <laughs> you said it so well. Uh, anyway. <laughs> uh, if you would like some detailed show notes to uh, see the stories that inform my thinking on this month's Apple News, you will find them all at lets-talk.ie. It's a detailed list of all the, the reading I've been doing this month to, to come to my opinions and conclusions. Uh, while you're there, there's a section in the sidebar called support the show. I want to thank everyone who has did or ever, you know, who does or ever has supported the show in any way. It is genuinely appreciated. This show is 100% listener supported. So it exists for one reason and one reason only. It's because you guys rock. So thank you. And if you haven't yet supported the show, hey, there's buttons there. You know, work away. I, I certainly would be happy if you did. Anyway, I'm Bart Bouchard, so you can find me at bartb.ie. And until next time, happy computing. You're listening to another great podcast in the MyMac Podcasting Network. 
Hello everybody, this is Simon Parnell, the host of the Essential Apple Podcast, the show where we aim to take a wander around the week's news in Apple, news, reviews, technology, security and anything else that catches our eye. Plus, from time to time, we like to have guests from the industry who we get to tell us about their products, their services, their history, their philosophies, what uh, drives them, and of course, just what makes them tick. That, plus a bunch of friends talking about the news in Apple. What more could you possibly want? Check us out on the My Mac Podcasting Network.